again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Game Pass Grab Bag, your weekly podcast for you engaged in the Game Pass collection. I am the day man of this episode, Andrew, fighter of the night man, Keith, uh. and of course our wonderful waitress, Liz. Hey guys. And this week was a listener pick, which is Alan Wake. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for picking this game for us. So Alan Wake is brought to you by Remedy Studios, which some of you may know from a game that we reviewed earlier, which is Quantum Break. They're also very famous for their other series, Max Payne. And the most recent game they came out with is Control, which fortunately is not on Game Pass, but I think it's coming to Game Pass eventually. Hopefully. I I really want to play that game. But I'm like, I don't know if I want to buy it, because I know as soon as I buy it, it'll be on Game Pass. But the general story of Alan Wake is you are playing a famous writer known as Alan Wake. Surprise, surprise. And you you and your wife are going on a vacation to a small town in Washington State called Bright Falls. And as soon as you get there, some weird stuff starts going on, and your wife ends up getting captured by this malevolent dark force. You start to discover these manuscript pages that you wrote, and anything that you wrote down on these pages are coming true. So you are trying to find a way to rescue your wife and escape this town alive. So going around, Liz, since this was kind of your pick, was this a game or a pass? This was definitely a game for me. I don't think that I'm going to go back to it because I beat it. I don't. I think it's one of those games for me that you know once you beat it, there really isn't any reason to go back. But I definitely liked it. I'm glad I played it. Yeah, this is a game. I I do think it's really cool in a lot of ways. I think it's unique-ish. But I kind of found it boring at points, too. And it seemed to just drag on. I know it's kind of short, but it seemed too long for me at points. So for me, this is a definite game. So this game is a Xbox 360 game. So there are some things you can kind of see. It, it shows its age a little bit, but it holds up really well. For me, this was like peak Xbox 360 era. When this game came out, like it was the Xbox exclusive it was really kind of a big title, and I still think to this day it holds up really well. I found the story really interesting. I think the gameplay is a lot of fun, and for a game that came out in 2010, I think it holds up really well, so this is a definite game for me. I will agree with that. For a 10-year-old game, it actually looks really well. It plays really well. I just wasn't excited about it at any point. I mean, did you at least find the story interesting? Because for me, that's what was the first hook with this game. I love the story. It's really interesting. It does a lot of homages to various famous writers. Uh, The entire game, like you're being chased by this FBI agent and it keeps calling you different names from famous authors. There's obviously a lot of references to Stephen King. The whole game plays like, which they also joke about, but the game plays like a Twilight Zone episode. It's just really mysterious. A lot of weird things are going on. And so for me, I loved the story of this game. I don't, I don't know. I didn't think the story was that interesting. I think writing-wise, you're right. There was a lot of cool mentions of other literature and things like that. But as a whole, I don't, I don't know. I thought the story was just kind of boring. I, I couldn't get excited about it or invested in anybody. I love the story at first. I think towards the end, I don't like the direction that they took. I'm also a believer too that when it comes to scary stories, I feel like the more true to life, the scarier it is. And I just thought that the dark force, like, I don't want to give too much away, but I thought they didn't pick the best ending for it. I thought that I, what they were building up to, I thought was going to be great. And then I was kind of let down. I think my biggest downfall for the story, which I did enjoy, was the main character. I talked to Andrew a bit about this. 
And Alan Wake, he is just this really angry, narcissistic dude. He pushes past his wife in the first scene, which first of all, like later on, they say that he doesn't lay his hands on his wife. That's not true. Happened at the beginning of the game. He punches the doctor in the face before he found out that the doctor was evil. He attacks paparazzi. He hates his fans. But even though he's very wealthy, he keeps going on TV promoting books and stuff. He wants the fame so that he can say, poor me, I have all these fans. Like, woe is me. This millionaire narcissistic dude needs to just pipe down. All the other side characters, you have Barry, the sheriff, people that you meet along the way, they're all fantastic, they're funny, even the enemies have funny lines, but this guy is just so self-involved, you just want to slap him. See, I agree and disagree with you. I, I agree <laughs> that Alan Wake, he is kind of a jerk. No, I mean, not kind of, he is a jerk. He is someone who is very kind of flat, but I think that is another reason why I like this story, is because it is all about development of this character. This game, it's not quite a horror game. It's known as a psychological thriller. So there's some things that are kind of spooky and eerie. And there's a little bit of jump scares here and there. But it's not like something that's going to make you like terrified. But the entire game is you trying to figure out, like, is this in his head? Is this a dream? Is just like the fact that he just pushed his wife away and she's actually dead. And like he's just creating this fantastical world that his wife is being captured. And he gets to be a hero. I at least liked that they are building onto this character and well they're not making him a better character they're just getting more layers into what's actually going on but not more layers into the character itself i didn't feel development from him becoming better so not to get too far ahead but there are some dlc with this game and especially when it comes to the dlc they're playing more like audio and dialogue between him and his wife and some of the fights they got and he's having this self-realization, like, I'm awful, like, my wife has done nothing but support me, and I just keep pushing her away and torturing her when she's just doing everything she can to support my career. So there was a bit more character development and realization from the character on the DLC. There's a little bit in the game, especially when you get to, like, into the lodge and the doctor is trying to, you know, have but you cope through some of It's all about his wife. It's not how he treats everybody else. Like, for instance, like like I said before, him complaining about fans. He chooses to keep doing these TV promotions and going to parties and drinking and coming home, like, seven hours later than he's supposed to. Like, he wants to be famous, but then he wants to think that he's better than everybody else. And you don't see that changing at all. You just see that he realizes, oh, I kind of treat my wife like crap, and now she's disappearing, so now I feel bad. No, and he also ends up appreciating Barry. That's because Barry's oh, Barry. the best. <laughs> Barry's saving his behind all the time. They should have made this game about Barry. Is it just me or did Barry sound like Joe Pesci? I, I, I mean, I think they were kind of going for that, but every time you would start yelling, I'm like, is that Joe Pesci? Yeah, I said the exact same thing when he first came in. I was like, this guy sounds just like he's trying to be like Joe Pesci from, uh, crap, what was that movie? Home Alone. No. Goodfellas? My Cousin Vinny. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin yeah. Vinny. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, I, I always felt like he was trying to sound like My Cousin Vinny. And, I mean, if that's what they're going for, I think they nailed it because we all ended up hearing the same thing. Oh, yeah. But Barry was great. I like He's obviously the comic relief, which is something you also see in like a lot of literature and stuff like that. He's the best friend who's always there by your side, and he's always cracking wise and 
thinks everything going on is just insane. But I thought other people had humor too, though. Like the sheriff saying, "Like you're shooting at a guy in a tweed jacket." I that's not the verbatim. But then the enemies were talking about omega three fatty acids and you know fishing is for sport and you know it's just like they had like these weird things that they were saying that I thought were funny. <laughs> yeah. See, I didn't beat the game. I got. I was just about through chapter three and i think there's six chapters right yeah so i don't know if this is a spoiler because it sounds like i'm probably wrong i was beginning to think barry was the kind of the driving force behind this whole thing that was the vibe i started to get is that he was actually like pushing alan towards craziness so he would write more and he could make more money off of him i didn't i didn't find him as a friend so much but then again i don't know like you said that's a kind of that goofy friend is a trope of storytelling he does fit that so i don't know so i'll at least tell you that no that is not true okay the only person who is slight spoiler alert here the doctor is the one doing that the doctor is trying to control you to have you write and control the darkness okay which i do think it's interesting that barry is the smartest character but he's also the one that's kind of like brushed aside kind of so i don't know how he survives the whole oh yeah because he's writing the manuscripts so obviously barry stays alive but he's like covered in christmas lights and then gets a headlamp and it's like why didn't these people think of that before like there are enemies that are only in the dark so you have to like shine your flashlight on them and then shoot them and so for me he's the only smart character that's like i need to have light at all times i just think he's great i don't know i mean alan wake has that same thing. He's always making sure he's got his flashlight and all that. Although he loses it all the time. Yeah, he loses it all the time. <laughs> Bumbling I, fool for someone who's got that much issues with the dark. I don't know. I do think they were a little bit thick with the literary references. I don't know if you guys felt that way too. I, Sometimes. I, I, just a little bit. I get That's a little nitpicky from me. I guess yeah. like oh, story-wise, I, just, I liked it, but I didn't like the ending. I love the ending. I can understand why you didn't like it. I remember the first time when he beat this game... I didn't like the ending either, but it stuck with me. And as soon as you start the game too, it even has like a quote from like Stephen King saying, you know, stories that end in a mystery are the ones that really kind of stick with you. And so that's kind of how this game goes. It definitely leaves it open for a sequel and they plan on making a sequel. The question is when is the big question because obviously, yeah, it's been 10 years. They've been doing other projects. Like I said, they're now... They made Control, and they're still making DLC for that game. So they said that there was a standalone game called Alan Wake's American Nightmare. but And they said this is not the last Alan Wake game. And they left it wide open for a sequel. They just haven't gotten to it. So I really hope they do come up with one. But because of that, yeah, you may not like the ending. Non, Well, maybe spoiler, non-spoiler question then. Is this sort of like a Shutter Island Inception type of ending then? Is that what no. they do? Okay. Because that's the vibe I was getting the whole time, and that was part of the reason I was like, I don't even care where this is going. This feels stupid. But that's just me. Well, I think, too, with this game, I was kind of confused about what kind of game it wanted to be. Because it was, it was weird. There was, like, for me, one time that I got, like, a, I don't want to say a jump scare because I wasn't too scared. But usually there's an indication that, like, there's going to be monsters coming your way or the shadow guys, and there wasn't. And I was like, whoa! But that's it. So it wasn't really scary, but it also wasn't really a survival game. I felt like it really was just very heavily story-based, and I expected that, but I just, I don't know. I thought that, I don't know, maybe it was missing something? 
I feel like there's one part, like, when I was playing it that I actually got kind of tired of the gameplay, like, the, the fighting part of it. And it was only for, like, ten minutes that I was like, holy crap, like, this is getting kind of tedious. And then it went away. Chapter three? I think it was around chapter three. It was right in the middle of the game. And I yeah. was like, this is getting very tedious. It, added, it switched off for me, though, and I enjoyed the rest of the game. I think it's because after chapter three, the story really shifts. And you really start to kind of learn and discover more of the mystery. And so I think the game starts to rehook you with kind of more of that story aspect of it. Because I do agree, the game is a little tedious with its combat. You're, you're fighting a lot of the same guys. There's only kind of like three different variations of the monsters. Uh, I guess birds. like four. Yeah, you have like the poltergeist items, the birds, the normal guys, the bigger guys, and then like the speedy guys. But they're all essentially the same. There's not a lot of enemies that you're facing that are like, oh... This guy needs to be shined a light on a specific spot, or I need to change like a different tactic, or he only dies from a certain weapon. You are essentially just doing the same thing over and over. Shining your light, shooting them. Shining your light, shooting them. So it, it does get a little repetitive. I like the weapons, though. At the beginning of every episode, you kind of start new. So you're like, oh, man, I really want to get my flare gun, or I really want my flash bomb. So I thought that was kind of cool. I do want to mention, though, that Andrew said to me, and it wasn't in a mean way, but he was watching me play, and he said, you know, when you started this podcast, I was afraid that, you know, you would stop being such a noob, and you would get good at the games, because it's three different perspectives. But then he said that watching me play it, he didn't have that worry anymore. (laughs) That's rude. When you're fighting the monsters... When the flashlight is on them, there's a circle that just gets smaller and smaller. And then when the flash happens, you can shoot them. I didn't notice the circle. Till like, chapter five. She was yeah. almost done with the game. And I'm like, Liz, you are aware that there's a circle telling you kind of their health. I saw, like, a little flash. And that was my indicator. But sometimes I would just get a little antsy and just start shooting them early. But yeah, I didn't notice that. Well, if we're staying on that same theme... As, as the one who's played way too many video games and still doesn't get it, it took me until about halfway through chapter two until I finally caught on to that. And I went, oh, combat's <laughs> way easier now. Because I was just wasting so many bullets. And then I was getting frustrated because I had no many bullets. Like, so, I thought yeah. Liz was just getting scared sometimes and shooting people prematurely. And I'm like, Liz, no, they still have darkness. Like, you can't hurt them. you got to get rid of the darkness first. And then I was like, <laughs> you, you are seeing that light, right? And it wasn't, yeah, like I said, to like chapter five, which he's like, oh, there's a circle. And I'm surprised because I figured it out pretty stinking quick. Granted, it, 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 it tells doesn't you. explain it to you. It does. Yeah. And it I, does? And it, yeah. I don't know, it, I remember that. I seen it. I, it was one of those things that when I, I had that aha moment where I was running through it and like I said, and, and it clicked with me that you had to shine the light in the circle and everything. And was I remember. <laughs> no, but oh. there is a whole thing about, yeah, you have to get the darkness off them and like this whole thing. It, it's not a good tutorial, it, it, but it just briefly explains the whole process of looking for that. I don't know if it explains the circle so much. I don't think it I, does. I, I, I don't th- ever remember there being an explanation of the circle. Yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't stand on, a, on a, a pillar for that one by any means, but it, it does at least kind of explain that you need to clear the darkness before you can actually hurt them. I just wanted a melee item. And I don't know if you get one later on in like chapter five or six or whatever, but I just wanted a melee. No, there's no melee, which I thought about that too. Like, so I played this game again on hard and I'm trying to get on nightmare and resources can be relatively limited 
and it's like if you don't have any bullets, your only option is to run. I do wish there was a way to at least like kick people or do a, a simple melee. Well, the flame yeah, even just to push them away for a second. So if you just need a second to get them away from you, like I think that's what I use those for. I didn't use the flares or the flash bombs unless I really needed them. Yeah, yeah but, but some way to get through a fight if you run out of bullets would be nice, even if it's like a tedious, you know, twenty hits or ten hits to get through it or something. It would have just been nice to have had some sort of a melee or to Andrew's point, uh, like a push or a kick. Because yeah, I actually started on hard from the very beginning because I just I don't know figured why not to go back to real quick to the circles did you guys at least notice the audio cue i think so where it does a high pitch squeal and it gets louder and louder and then when i hear a pop that's when the darkness breaks i just went by the flash oh when they flashed when it was broken yeah yeah like i said i kind of caught it at the end or kind of as i noticed it i was like oh yeah there's the audio cue but it didn't really i don't know there was always so much weird audio happening it just didn't make sense to me. Well, I think going back to what you said about running out of bullets, it is kind of easy to miss things. So there are like secret areas where you can get like extra bullets and things like that. And then there was this really annoying part of the game where I was walking towards a thermos because there's an achievement to collect all the thermoses and then there's one to collect 25. I was just about to get to it. And then all of a sudden a cutscene happened and threw me off the cliff and I couldn't get back up. And I was like, you really waited until I was like right in front of it, about to pick it up. Yep, they wouldn't. Uh, I, I I have to mention those thermoses cracked me up because I know every game has some sort of collectible, but everything about it made me laugh because all I could think of was the the age old Family Guy scene with the ooh piece of candy. I don't know where you'd just be walking along. And my favorite one was like in in chapter one where you're having that conversation with your wife, and yeah, you just push past her, and you're like, oh, I gotta grab this thermos. Ignoring all dialogue, you just walk past someone and pick up a thermos, and where are you carrying all of them? That's another question. <laughs> well, a lot makes, of thermoses. It makes sense, because it's night out. Like, you have to yeah, stay up the in coffee? the dark. So yeah, it makes sense that you're gonna need all this coffee. Yeah, I'm assuming they put the collectibles in to justify Alan Wake going over, like, a week with no sleep at all. Yeah. <laughs> He's just I mean, drinking all this have... coffee once of that if it weren't for the thermoses but another thing that really really cracked me up and this was just something that happened a lot in the like early 2010 eras in like tv shows movies video games the built-in ads so i don't know if you caught if you caught those i did but right when you like right at the beginning of the game he gets in the car and it's like welcome to microsoft sync by Chevy or whatever it was, and then what was it? Verizon was popping yeah. up all the there's time. There's billboards of Verizon. There's some billboards of Energizer. Uh, one of the past scenes when you're back in your apartment in New York, Alan, of course, makes sure he says, "Check out your TiVo." Like, remember TiVo? That didn't oh, last I didn't, long. Even, I didn't even catch the TiVo one, but yeah, yeah. I did. Like, there was one cut scene where he looks down at his phone and it just distinctly has Verizon plastered across the top of the screen, and it just. Yeah, like shows used to do that all the time with cars and, and whatnot. So I got a real good chuckle out of that. I also wanted to bring up the other mechanics in the game. Because there was certain moments that remind me of Dead by Daylight. I guess they're quick time events. Yeah. I guess that's what they're called. But there was also this bridge scene where you have all these objects that are flying at you. It took me like 20 times. I think it was chapter 5 to get past this bridge. I got so irritated. It was chapter 6 because I actually had difficulty with that too. But did you guys like these other mechanics in the game? Like um, the Those were like the Tomb Raider. They're kind of the same thing. Yeah, like the quick time scenes. But it's a full scene, right? Well, no, no, no. There wasn't any like 
cutscene QuickTime event stuff. The QuickTime events Liz was talking about was the generator. Okay, yeah. Uh, where you would have to hit A, just like kind of like what you did a little bit in Dead by Daylight, where you had to hit the generator at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, There weren't that many, so I kind of thought it was weird that they had like these little extra features, but it kind of made it feel a little fresh, and I felt like they spaced it out well enough. A, a little bit. So there's like poltergeist items, as they're called, that are possessed by darkness, and all they do is float in the air and throw themselves at you. Yeah. 90% of the time, I just ignored them. Because yeah, mostly. They're Sometimes really they easy to dodge. Off a cliff too. Yeah, they throw themselves off a cliff. Uh, just put a pole between you and the object, and the objects will never get you. So I, I just kind of ignore them, except for yeah, that one bridge scene, Liz. I I did. They die kept knocking me in the hole. Yeah. And there's an achievement for some, like if you get rid of what bulldozers and stuff. Yeah, but um, as far as like the other mechanics, yeah, it did change things up a little bit. Like there's a small amount of driving in the game, which, you know, this game is no Forza Horizon or anything like that. The driving isn't anything great. But it was at least fun to go around and run over some of the bad guys. And there's a couple of scenes where you're fighting a monster truck that's possessed. So I actually thought some of the car scenes were actually pretty fun. But it was frustrating, though, because there are times when you're driving and you can pull over and there are, like, little secret things like ammo and stuff like that. And for me, it's like I never knew when I needed to go off the course to look for things because there are some times where I was starting to do that, especially when I was with the sheriff. Like, she did all the shooting for me. and it. But sometimes Andrew's like, Liz, you need to be running right now. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know when to loot. <laughs> See, I felt like, I don't know, 80% of the game was, you could kind of tell where you needed to branch off because you'd have a set path and then there'd just be this one distinct path and you always check those things but there was a few i mean through the four chapters i was through i think i had only missed like two pages i don't know how many thermoses but i I don't know i was getting mostly everything and i wasn't having too much issue but i also was i agreed liz like kind of wandering a little bit because there's just some open areas that felt like something could be hiding and then you're just like well i wandered every inch of this and there was nothing so i wasted yeah. 10 minutes so do you guys think the collectibles helped or hurt the game yeah i thought they helped i did like also we haven't really mentioned these too much but you watch tv and you listen to the radio and recordings and stuff and i that kind of goes into looting with me and sometimes I felt like it was a bit of a hindrance because they were long but other times I enjoyed them so like some of the the tv episodes I thought were kind of boring but then the first one I watched I thought was really interesting so I got excited about it but then I felt like they got worse the multiverse gun the very first like twilight zone thing you watch yeah uh, the multiverse gun yeah that was that was pretty dark I'm not gonna lie see I and I, this is where it shows its 2010-ness in terms of game age and all of that. But I still just wish I had was, I don't know the best way to describe it, but like a God voice on those types of things. It was all very directional. That even if you weren't in the same room as it, if you were looking in the direction of where the audio would be coming from, if you were in that room, you could hear it. But you could just turn slightly to the left or right in the same room and you wouldn't hear it. Whereas other games you can go you know, as far away as you want, and you always hear the audio. Yeah, that's why I always turn on subtitles, because then if I can't hear it, I can always at least read the subtitles. Oh, I had to have the subtitles, because there are certain moments where, like, conversations would overlap, or, like, I'd start watching something, and someone would come in the room and start talking, and I, I had to have the subtitles. But, uh, so like I said before, the studio also created Quantum Break that we reviewed earlier, and I remember when that game came out, I thought it was interesting that they incorporated like a TV show with it. But I never realized, I forgot how much live 
acting they did in this game. Because they have, as we said, the uh, TV, they do like an homage to Twilight Zone with Night Springs. And they're essentially just mini Twilight Zone kind of episodes, which all have real actors in it. And then, of course, there's actually a prequel TV show that came out with this game called Bright Falls. And that was all live acted, too. So it actually was impressive. prequel to Gravity Falls? Nope. It's a prequel to Alan Wake. Ah. But nice track. (laughs) <laughs> well, when I started playing this game, I told you that it kind of reminded me of Quantum Break, and then you told me that they had made that game as well. So I I saw that right away. Oh, one more thing on gameplay. The combat was like Blair Witch, or did Blair Witch, I guess, rip off them with that, where you had to like shine lights on things to attack? I think Blair I just... Witch came later. I thought that was Yeah, Blair Witch came out just like a year ago. Well, that's what I'm saying. So that came out later, or, or after the fact, and I feel like it just kind of ripped off the combat of this. But Alan Wake did it ten times better. Yeah, Blair Witch. The whole flashlight thing was sometimes very confusing. This, I, I, I knew what it. I was doing. Yeah, that's why. I don't know. Just wanted to throw that out there because that was another thing I thought of, and I thought, boy, I would have liked Blair Witch a lot better if the combat was like made more sense like this did. So if it was, if Blair Witch was more of an action game, maybe I don't know. But I don't know that this felt like very much of an action game. It was like a like a walking simulator with combat. A little bit. I can see that. Uh, I disagree. Because there's a couple areas that were very heavy focused on combat. Such as like the concert scene when you're on the farm. Yeah. That no, was really I, cool, I yeah. Oh, that got tedious. That's actually where I quit. I was, I mean, you texted me, but when I was playing, but I also just, I was like, I, this just doesn't feel fun anymore. Did you continue on hard, or did you switch to, uh... No, I stayed on hard the whole time. Uh, how difficult did you think it was on hard? There'd be parts where it would feel hard, and then I'd walk away, and I'd come back, and I'd just breeze through it and be like, oh, that wasn't hard at all. So I think more of it is I would just get tired of the game, and I would just stop paying attention, or just start rushing things. Like, you have to just want to play this game, and that was the hardest part for me. Like, there's a lot of good things about it, and I think it holds up well for its age, but I just, I couldn't get excited about it, ever. I love story-based games. I think that's why I really like this game. Even when the story started going in the direction I didn't want it to, I just, I, I felt very invested in this game. And I feel like, especially like this year, I feel like we haven't played as many story-based games, so I loved it. One thing that I really loved about this game, too, is that it's very forgiving. It gives you a ton of checkpoints, and so if you end up getting stuck in a difficult part, you're basically just restarting that part. I love that this game didn't send you back like 20 minutes. For a game that's also from 2010, it can be kind of iffy what you get for checkpoints, but this game I thought was very generous with its checkpoints. I agree. I agree, yeah. True. Good point. One <laughs> Thank point you. for Andrew. Gold star today. You're welcome. Something else that I thought the game did really well was creating a mood. Like the whole atmosphere of the game... The scenery, like, I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I think the, I mean, graphically, I think we can all agree that the people are very dated, the, when they're moving their lips, when they're talking, things like that. That didn't age as well. But the scenery, like, I, because we've talked in other games about how a lot of companies struggle with foliage, and this is all outdoors. You're in the mountains, you're by the lake, it's very outdoorsy, but you're also inside a lot. And the outdoors part, I thought they did incredibly well because I think it still looks good. Yeah, I fully agree with you. I mean, we were talking about like how we played Blair Witch and it's all woods and we're like, this feels just very samey and kind of ugly and gross. But with this, it really did feel like a real town in like the woods. The Beer cans around. Yeah, cabins or... made out of wood with like the typical decor of trophies and guns. 
it did a really, really, really good job creating this like old mining town village. See, I will say at some points, I think the overall scenery was a little bit samey, but it looked really well. And honestly, I don't think the people didn't look great, but comparing even to say like the long dark, I think they actually looked about as good as that. And that's saying something. What's the game? We said the hair was so, so, so bad. Far Cry? No. Uh, no. Um, Just Cause 4? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When you compare it to Just Cause 4, and this is like 10 years ago, I think they did okay. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just, I think for me, like, I wanted to visit this place. Yeah, because what's also impressive too, like, when you play a lot of games, a lot of areas you kind of play in games, it's like, how is this a real functional town or like a real functional place? It, like, the design makes no sense. But for me in this game it actually feels like this could be a real town like you're actually going down real streets that have a functioning business and living environment during the fighting scene there was an old man yelling down to you like telling you to be quiet (laughs) i thought it was really funny (laughs) so yeah i was impressed with all the overall environments i do agree liz some of the character models are a little wonky it's just like some parts i felt like were a little disproportional like uh Dr. Hartman, I felt like his shoulders were incredibly broad. Kind of like a Yakuza swag, kind of. Yeah. The characters with, they moved. It seemed like indoors, I felt like his apartment in, I think it was New York, there were some bits of furniture that just didn't look that great, especially compared to like the lodge and the diner and things like that. But overall, I think that's, I'd give that a pass, like with how great everything else was. Well, so for one thing, giving something a pass for this podcast is kind of, I feel like you're giving it two terms. Very confusing. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I, think <laughs> I, I know what you mean. They can get away with it. Yeah, they can get away with a little bit of bad furniture. <laughs> but see, my favorite view. I don't know if you guys remember exactly, but on when you're in the hospital and he walks you out to that big deck and you just look out over the lake and the mountains. It looked re- like that looked like it could have been an Xbox One built game. Yeah. Yeah. That was impressive. So there was definitely parts I I was very impressed with. Yeah, I mean, there's also just a ton of, like, tiny nuanced stuff. Like, when you're in the hospital, there's actually, like, grooves in the pavement that are working as a gutter because, like, the gutter system's right there. It's, like, these really tiny details that it's, like, I don't know. It was impressive. Even, too, like, walking around, there's, like, the garden. There's some nice, like, tranquil lakes or little fountains, the hedge maze. Like, it all felt like a functioning hospital. Was the maze kind of incorporating some Stephen King in there. The I believe so, yeah. Because for me, I was like, why would like a psych hospital have a maze? It used to be a hotel. Oh, gotcha. Still, yeah. I, I wouldn't want a maze at a psych hospital. <laughs> Can you imagine looking does, for somebody and like you're creeping around the corner like, are they there? It does It does kind of seem kind of protective <laughs> to have no, people I mean, without mental evil, illness. So. Yeah, he probably tortured people in there. But uh, what did you guys think of the music of this game? They have a quite an interesting soundtrack. Oh, so Keith, funny story. Since you didn't beat the game, uh, last week you made the joke about Bowie's in space, uh, which is a reference to David Bowie's Space Odyssey. No, no, David Bowie's Space Oddity. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, the final soundtrack of this game is David Bowie's Space Oddity. Nice. So I thought that was kind of funny that you ended up making that joke, and then we play a game that actually has its song. I like the lime and the coconut song. But what did you guys think of the music? I like the Lime and the Coconut song. It reminds so, me of Practical Magic. I, it was a throwback. I I think I liked it. I was playing it earlier today because 
Andrew almost made me miss an achievement. He's like, oh, no, you don't need to do that. I did for an achievement. So I had to go back. Okay. And I don't remember the music that well. I literally just played it. I think I liked it. I, I like you keep shaming me that I had you miss an achievement. You weren't even looking at the achievements. I was out of the kindness of my heart trying to help you find an achievement that I was trying to remember. Next time, you can look up the achievements yourself. I did. I was... I forgive you. <laughs> I mean... For the most part, there wasn't a ton of music when you're playing the game, I noticed. A lot of it is just kind of this eerie, spooky wind kind of noise that's going on. You're just hearing like the rustling of the leaves and just kind of the wind whistling. About at the end of every chapter, they kind of play a rather kind of odd song. Sometimes it was like hard rock. Sometimes it was like country. Sometimes it was like an acoustic song. So it, it, to me, it felt kind of disjointed. But yeah. overall, I, I thought it was pretty good. There's a good amount of just kind of like hard rock and rock and roll kind of songs in this game. And then, once again, like I said, it was kind of odd that they chose David Bowie's Space Oddity at the end. Boy. I don't know. It, it was it was a bit of a grab bag of uh, music in this game. But overall, I, I I enjoyed it. It just wasn't consistent. Well, see, I thought at some point it, it would be playing enemy music and there wouldn't be enemies or it wouldn't be playing the music and they'd be sneaking up on you. Like there was weird breaks and how it would change sometimes, but all in all, I thought it was good. It carried a good ambiance, if you will. It was all right. It was music. I wouldn't listen to the soundtrack. Yeah. Cause I mean, like I said, the, the music's kind of all over the place, but at least I thought the sounds were really good. Cause as we said, there is like a lot of audio and visual cues in this game and I think they did a really good job. I think the voice acting was pretty top-notch. I was going to mention that. There was a couple parts where you pointed out, Liz, where you're like, that was a weird line. And there was some that were written in that are just odd. Mostly from the sheriff. Do you remember any? I can't remember. One specific, the one I remember you stated was in Chapter 5 when you see Barry running down the street. And the sheriff's just like, he's okay. He's in the shop. Like, it was just really Monotone. odd how she said it. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that a couple times. Now that you mentioned that, I did notice that a couple times. But I think overall, I thought the voice acting was fantastic. Like, some some of the better that we've played. Alan Wake, uh, Barry, I thought they were all great. And I love the, I almost said zombies, the, the darkness guys. They're, they're darkness essentially dudes. zombies. <laughs> yeah, they would have funny one-liners. And the way that they spoke it was kind of comical. And it was I think it was supposed to be as well. So, overall, I think... That was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they were supposed to basically be zombies because they're remembering things of their life. So if you're fighting a fisherman, yeah, they're going to say things like, you know, omega-3 fatty acids are good for you, or a farmer will state how many pigs are in the world, which I thought was just an interesting touch. They didn't need to put that in, but I actually thought it was kind of cool. It made it creepy. Same. (laughs) So as I kind of hinted at before at the beginning of this episode, there is quite a bit of not just DLC, but extra content with this game. So there is a TV show, uh, it's a miniseries that came out before the game called Bright Falls, and it's live action. It's following this reporter who's investigating kind of these, he's trying to do an interview with Dr. Hartman, and of course, being Bright Falls, it's very trippy, and there's weird things going on. Overall, though, I I watched a bit of it, and it's overall not that interesting. It's free, it's on YouTube, so if you want a little bit more story with the game it's only 30 minutes it could be maybe worth your time but there are two dlcs um one's called the signal and the other one is the writer i think they're both about seven bucks a pop they the nice thing is they continue the story so as we said the story kind of leaves a mystery the two dlcs just take place one after another and explaining more of what's going on 
overall, you could probably save yourself some money and just read about what the story is online. Overall, I give the DLC a pass. If you are really interested, I at least recommend buying episode two. Because seven dollars each? Yeah. So episode two does a recap of episode one and it literally sums it up in like 30 seconds. And that's all episode one needs was 30 seconds. Hey, this is what happened. All right, now let's start episode two. Episode two to me also had a little bit more interesting environments. Episode one was just revisiting the same places. So I was just like, yeah, this is kind of boring. But at least episode two had a bit more platforming in it, which I will say is where Alan Wake kind of shows its age is the platforming. Playing so many games now, so many games, it's so easy to jump or mantle and climb things. I felt like the platforming in Alan Wake felt a little dated, but luckily there isn't too much. The the jumping made me... uh, It was terrible. That was was something that I definitely laughed at because it looked like when they made the animation, they just had someone go, hey, can you jump like how you think a human would jump? Well, you jump like uh, you're jumping over hurdles on a track field. It's just like... Like an, or like an alien is just like describe jump, like uh. And you this. do have to use it. Yeah. In certain areas. So it's kind of awkward. Why have two DLCs if you're planning on coming out with a new game? So the DLCs really leave open for a sequel. It shows more the development of Alan Wake, and it explains more of like where they're gonna go when they make a sequel for the game. So I can kind of understand. It's just unfortunate that there's seven bucks a pop and. It didn't add much. There wasn't new enemies. There wasn't new weapons. You're visiting a lot of same locations. The story is kind of interesting, but overall, like I said, I give it a pass. And then there is also a standalone game called Alan Wake's American Nightmare. And it doesn't have too much to do with the main game. There is this one odd moment in the main game where you meet a doppelganger called Mr. Scratch. And you, the entire time in Alan Wake's American Nightmare, you're fighting Mr. Scratch. So it's explaining a little bit more of that story. That one I remember actually being a little bit more fun. That one actually introduces some new weapons. It introduces new locations. And it's a standalone game. But once again, it was not on Game Pass. So I think that one's 15 bucks. But I luckily already own that. And since we still had some money from our previous sponsor, I was able to get the DLC for this game to give you a little bit of uh, insight on it. And what's the time to beat, Andrew? So the overall time to beat of this game is... About 11 hours for the main game, but if you're a completionist and want to get all the achievements, you're looking at about 25 hours. So this game's not too long. It's it's not quite a weekend game. If you focus pretty hard on it, you can beat it in a weekend, but it's it's definitely a, a shorter game, but I think it doesn't overstay its welcome. I actually love the length of this game. But then, of course, finally, the achievements. I A game like this is why I love achievements. I think they did such a fantastic job with achievements. They do... A good amount of basic collection stuff. They do a good amount of progressions of killing people with certain weapons, doing certain things. And then, of course, there's a handful of achievements that challenge you to do something. So there's one where you're playing the mining level, and it's to get to the mine to, like, the forest within, like, 30 minutes. And then there's an achievement on the final chapter to never use a gun. So I loved the achievements in this game. There's a couple of fun ones, too, that I searched. Like, the song one listening to recordings. I thought there were, like you said, there was a little bit of everything, which I really liked. And I don't think it was too hard. There are some, though, that I'm thinking, if you play this game, like, on different difficulties, which you can't get all 
the manuscript pages and things like that unless you do it on the hardest difficulty. But for instance, like finding all the thermoses, you obviously have to play through, I feel like multiple times. Unless you look up a guide. Exactly, yeah. So I think it is like a bit of work. Yeah, and it's, I also thought it was weird. The hardest difficulty you can't play until you beat the game at least once, which I thought was weird. Looking at the achievements for us, Andrew, overachiever as always, 750 out of 1500, because that of course includes the DLC. So that's 43 achievements out of 67. Keith, I checked it about two hours ago, and you had 325 uh, with 22 out of 67. And for me, I have 520 and 32 out of 67. So, I, I mean, we got a good amount. Well, I will say, for the achievements, I was playing on the Steam version for the DLC. So, so I didn't more. get Yeah, so I didn't get any achievements from the DLC on my gamer card because of that, because I was playing on Steam. But actually, a real quick thing that I thought was interesting, uh, the PC version and the Xbox 360 version has, like, these small little changes. So... On the Xbox version we were playing, for difficulty, it has normal, hard, and nightmare. But on PC, it's listed as easy, normal, and nightmare. And then I also, another weird detail on the PC version, the batteries you collect. On the Xbox version, you're clearly collecting like AAA batteries, which doesn't make sense that they'd fit in your flashlight. But on the PC version, you're clearly collecting like D-cell batteries. So I thought it was like weird. There's like these kind of oh. interesting model changes that they did from the PC and the Xbox version. But overall, the gameplay is exactly the same. Uh, They're all about the so details. Basically, they did what you hate on a game where they call the easiest difficulty normal and then work their way up. Yeah. but it, I, I <laughs> And then know, they I changed think... it when they put it out on PC. Cause like, <laughs> eh, that's kind of a jerk thing to do. Yeah, but it didn't bother me too much on this game. Oh, I did get to 350, by the way. I just meant to point out. I, I did get a couple extra. Still oh, not nearly job, enough Keith. to catch up. Thank you. Got an, I got two more for 350 total. Just thought I should update you. <laughs> You're still in last, but that's great. <laughs> <laughs> but I won in last by as much. So getting to our final thoughts, Liz, what did you think of Alan Wake? I really enjoyed this game. If they came out with another one, I would play it. I don't think I would go back to it. I Once I completed this game, no interest in going back. But I think atmosphere, voice acting, overall gameplay, I found really fun and enjoyable. I don't know if it's too high, but right now I'm thinking a 90, you know? I've, it could be because I really wanted a story-based game, and this is exactly what I wanted at the time that I wanted it. So it's maybe a little high, but yeah, 90. I feel like Liz needs to just rate games first every single time. So we'll finally <laughs> get an honest answer out of her. <laughs> I think this is a good game. I I think if if I consider the age of it and when I'm playing it now and I'm rating it now because I never played this before, I think it's good and it holds up. But like I said, I I personally just couldn't get excited to play the game really much at all. I think I'd have to give it like a 73 because it's still good. I just didn't love it. You make me sad, Keith. <laughs> so... I absolutely love this game. I played this back in the 360 time, and I remember back then I absolutely loved it. So it was back a lot in of the fun. Old times. Back back in the old uh, back when I was a kid. Pepperstorm so, <laughs> remembers. So I was actually really excited to revisit this game because I was like, I wanted to see if it still holds up, and I can easily say it does. I think it's a lot of fun. Voice acting is great. Some of the graphic areas kind of show its age, but overall, the design of the game is 
absolutely top-notch. Remedy Studios did a great job with this game. I love the combat. To me, it was really intense. You really kind of had to be careful with some of your ammo and figure out when you should run. I love the story. Not everyone's going to like it, but to me, it was just it was something very unique. And I love the characters. There's just very little I did not enjoy about this game. So for me, I'm giving it a 95. I also want to point out, too, that I really hated the main character. And I still gave it a 90. So I feel like that's how much I like the game. <laughs> but going to Metacritic, 83 and 8.2. And I was looking at more of the negative ones this time. And a lot of people had very mixed feelings about the story. So just a couple of excerpts from, from different ones for you. Someone said Twin Peaks ripoff. <laughs> Plot likened to one of M. Night Shyamalan's failed screenplays. No. Grotesquely overwritten, failing to understand the power of subtlety, while beating the player over the head with cliched ideas of light versus dark. This next one, I giggled when I read it. I laughed when I read it to Andrew. I'm very immature. We might take this out because it's not very appropriate, but like, I just, I just found it funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to need to keep this in. So mature. I know. This is so immature of me. <laughs> Keith, you're going to think I'm such an idiot. Maybe if this game didn't happen. <laughs> Andrew, do you want to read it? This is a struggle. Okay, Liz. I'll take it from you. Maybe if this game didn't have such a raging stiffy for her Stephen King and Rambo, this game would have been very good. <laughs> there you go, Liz. Rambo. Yeah, I didn't get Rambo. I get, I guess, the Stephen King, but Rambo? Rambo. What? I just thought the phrasing was so funny. But anyways, for this game, I also want to point out that I went on Facebook and I was a little bit behind with the polls. so I crying? just said A little bit. So I just said, the first person who comments a game, I will pick that game. And so that's how we got this choice. And next week, well, not next week, my next pick will be a poll pick. So go to our Facebook every once in a while, and I'll probably be doing things like this, because sometimes I'm just indecisive, or I'm late, you know? So it was fun. It was fun to do that. I feel like most of the time, you love listener picks. Yes, yes. (laughs) But uh, thank you again, Stephanie, for this recommendation. But I think that's going to do it for us this week. I've been your hardcore gamer host, Andrew. You can follow me on Xbox Live at Firebird01952. I'm also at twitch.tv slash Firebird01952. I stream kind of inconsistently, but of course I stream a lot of the games that we are playing. Uh, If you just want to come by, hang out, say hi, talk video games, I'm always up for talking about video games. I love video games, obviously. So yeah, come on by. We are also, you can also write us an email at gamepassgrabbag at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and a bunch of other stuff just google us i'm ben keith you can find me at ttv underscore wraith i don't stream that's just my name i go by because <laughs> you know it's what i do do you even, you know, know. That, do you even know that that's somebody's name probably is so you're welcome <laughs> and i'm liz the noob gamer tag come on i'm dean i'm on twitter at liz the noob noob is ew all right everybody thank you all so much uh we've been getting once again a lot of messages from people We love you all, and we love when you guys come by and say hi. So thank you all so much. We'll see you again next week.